Isn't it great to be in God's house this morning? Amen. We're going to get started here pretty quick. Uh, we want to make sure we welcome our visitors. And uh, we've got visitors coming in, and there's still people coming in, coming through the foyer right now, as a matter of fact. And if you're here and you're a visitor, uh, be sure and get a gift bag. Nancy will give you a gift bag in back in the foyer. And we just pray that you won't leave here like you came. We want to see uh, things change for you, and we just pray that, uh, that uh, you leave in Jesus' name. So, don't we? Let's stand together and let's celebrate him uh, with the praise course that we do here at uh, Butte Creek Baptist Church all the time. One of our favorites. You probably won't hear it anywhere else. It's called, I Don't Know What You Came to Do. And uh, it's in your praise book, number 19. I don't know what you came to do. Praise the Lord. 
Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. You guys are awake. Yeah. Happy Sunday to you. Let's pray. So, Father in heaven, we do pray that you'll be blessed today as you bless us. We pray that, Lord God, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Father, you'd teach us what, uh, what we need to know and what we need to hear. And, Lord, we just thank you for everything that you have done, are doing, and will do. God, we dedicate this service to you through Jesus Christ, for we pray it in his name. Amen. Hey, on the bulletin, if you would just, uh, most of the messages are just in the bulletin. If you want to uh, go ahead and just read it for yourself. Wednesday night, we're going to have uh, Bill Gallagher is going to come speak, so you might want to catch Wednesday night. And then also, don't forget um, your Bible studies, uh, the women's Bible study and the men's Bible study. And uh, the dates are in the bulletin on that and the time, so. Yesterday, Butte Creek Baptist Church hosted the Empowered Women's Conference that I've talked about for several weeks. I wish I had the vocabulary to explain how much I appreciate every one of you that helped make it such a God-given, uh, awesome a celebration. Would you all stand, men and women who helped? Stand up, please, because you do need to be recognized. Thank you. Every one of you get a special blessing. Yeah, yeah that's right. So now I'm going to do my notes. Okay. So yesterday, we had the Empowered Conference, the Women's Empowered Conference. We had seven churches represented in this room. Seven. Do you know how many churches that are? How many people? Okay. And I know there were a few women that weren't even going to church, and they're going to attend our church next Sunday, which I'll host them and enjoy them. So um, yesterday, I felt a lot of uh, emotion. God's spirit was going through here. Allison gave us women a weapon to handle everyday life, if it was marital abuse or healing or fear or anything, she gave us a weapon. And it was a sword, a very sharp sword, which is the Bible, the living word of God. And there were tears throughout here, tears. And I had people coming up to me before this was even half over saying, don't forget, email my church the next event you have. Don't forget us. And so I just want to say to everybody that, that, that did this, this had, we had meltdowns, we had sleepless nights, but it didn't, we didn't need to. This was a success. We, we, the women, oh, I have to read you the text, and then I'm through talking. I have gotten so many texts from women that I don't even know, and I'm going to read you one just to tell you how appreciated this church is. Okay, I'm not, I'm not savvy like Jeremy, but I'll get there. Text. Okay, this one woman. Oh, her, that was from someone. Hold on, that's another one, but this is the one I want. Here it is. Sorry, guys. Okay, this woman from a different church texted and said, what a great day. Your ladies outdid themselves. We were amazed at all of it. Couldn't believe the food, the bracelets, 
the bookmarks, etc. Blessed, she felt blessed because she came. So thank you guys for making this a success. Thank you for letting God fill this place with his spirit and giving us all of that weapon that we all need, the sword, to, to handle every day. Thank you. Thank you. PK needs to say something here. What time? What time, PK? 10. 10. 10. 10. 10. 10 a.m. Oh, I just want you to know it's a privilege to be up here at the podium and be able to share the music and, and us to be able to sing together. And uh, then and I got to work the sound booth yesterday and uh, just watch the power of the Spirit move through this place saw a lot of people's lives changed a lot of ladies that were being prayed over and uh, you know let's just continue that spirit because God is here he says we're two or more gathered in his name they're all be in the midst of them so he's here and open your hymnal 586 because he's got us all in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands 586 He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 He's got the wind and the rain in his hands. He's got the wind and the rain in his hands. He's got the wind and the rain in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little tiny baby in his hands. He's got the little tiny baby in his hands. He's got the tiny little baby in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands, he's got you and me, sister, in his hands, he's got you and me, brother, in his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole wide world, in his hands, he's got the whole wide world, in his hands, he's got the whole wide world, in his hands, he's got the whole Singing out this morning. Look at 596. 
only a few pages over, 596, and we're going to sing this together, I Surrender All. Pastor Steve's favorite one is it Amazing is. Grace. And I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand to your feet and let's just worship the Lord this morning uh, with Amazing Grace. And just let's prayerfully uh, just sing this out and just praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning. 
songs, Lord God. Thank you for the voices you give us. Lord God, it's, it's our pleasure. It's our duty to praise you, and we do that right now, Lord. Thank you so much for everything, Father, that you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your precious life, your horrific death on the cross, your resurrection, which gives us hope, your ascension, which gives us a picture of the rapture, and Lord, your intercession, which gives us access to the throne of grace before our Father. Lord, we praise you, we thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, 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 praise God. 
praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hi there. Open your Bibles, please, to uh, Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so we give. There's not too many 
Christian songs where every word is the word of God in the song. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Bill. That was, that was really great. Let's have the uh, fellows come forward and we'll take the offering now. And the kids can be released. What? Release the kids, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure why that was so funny. <laughs> so, Father in heaven, we do pray that you'll bless this offering, Lord, that this church might be a light for you in this community, Father, and that, God, we could uh, accomplish your your work and your will. Oh God, we just pray and hold up our, our town. We pray for our country, Lord. We pray for this world, Lord, that you pour out your Holy Spirit on every single person alive today, convicting each one of us of our sins and showing each one of us, Lord, believer and unbeliever alike, that the time is getting short. We'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Can you hear me back there? Do you want to hear me back there? <laughs> Let's pray. So, Father in heaven, we do, we do come before you, Lord God, and asking you to 
Bless your word. Father, please forgive us for our sins. Cleanse us, Lord God, from all unrighteousness, Lord, and, and fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we might uh, gain faith by studying your word and by knowing it. Lord God, we thank you so much for the great salvation that you put forth in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done for us. May you be glorified in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a cell phone and you it's on, would you mind turning it on uh, silent or something so it doesn't interrupt? Last week, if you were here, we celebrated Easter, didn't we? And that was a very nice service, um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as I was thinking about that service and studying for it, I really wanted to hone in on something because that was kind of a general overlook into the life and the death of Jesus Christ. And so what I did is I went to the Word and I studied the seven sayings of Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. And that's what we're going to study today. It's very, very interesting. We kind of sometimes just concentrate on one or two of them, and, but they're, they're all very, very important as we'll see today. You don't have to turn there, but in Romans chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 7 to 8, here's what it says. Very rarely... Will anyone die for a righteous man? Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. The first thing when I read that was our servicemen and women who gave their lives. You know, we read and hear about a service, a person, a, a soldier that threw themselves on a grenade so that their, their fellow soldiers wouldn't, um, you know, wouldn't be affected. It says... Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God... Did I miss something? No. But God, it says, listen, demonstrates his own love for us in this. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, put yourself in Jesus' place here. Try to, try to put yourself in the picture, if you will. Jesus had been accepted by some and rejected by many. He'd been vilified by some. In fact, they even accused him of doing the work by Satan's power. Okay? He was worshipped by some. He was humiliated. He was beaten without mercy. He was tested and tempted and close to death. Now the question is, was he angry? Was he vengeful? Was he uh, losing hope? Was he going to give up? Was he calling for help? No, you know, that's maybe something that any of us would have done, huh? I know I would have called, if I'd have had that kind of power, I would have called for God to zap them, to zap the people that were crucifying me. But you know what he did? Jesus, it says that even after Pilate 
finding him innocent and him being traded for Bar Barabbas, it says that Jesus didn't utter a word against his captors. In fact, during the Gospels, we see where many times Jesus says, my time has not yet come. Do you remember that? Well, at 9 o'clock on a Friday morning in Jerusalem, his time came. It came. That's when they crucified Jesus, okay? In Mark, and I'll read it to you. You don't necessarily have to turn there. Mark chapter uh, 15, verse 16, it says this. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. So there was a lot of soldiers at this particular meeting. They put a purple robe on him, that was the color of royalty, okay? And twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. Now they just didn't set the crown of thorns on him. You know that they crammed him on his head. And here's what they said. It says, they're even quoting him. It says, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. <laughs> gotta love, you gotta love babies, huh? That's right. We were all babies at one point in time. The time had come. He had been led up to Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there the people cried, crucify him. Crucify him. These were the religious leaders. These were the people that should have known better. And what was the very first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth? Well, it tells us in Luke chapter 23. You're welcome to turn there if you want to. Luke 23, starting in verse 26. And here's what it says. Now, one thing I want you to, to note, okay, is that the different phrases that Jesus uttered, all right, during his time on the cross are contained in the four Gospels, but they're not in chronological order, all right? So we have to find out where they are in the order. The very first thing that Jesus said, and we're going to start at verse 26 of Luke chapter 23, it says, as they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Honey, do you want to go sit by the back, by the back there, just in case you have to take him by the, uh, to the nursery? Yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah, if we need him. He's just not old enough to hear. That's the problem. 
thank you so much. We love the little children. I'd be embarrassed to tell you how much time I spent on this message, though. So we're going to make sure that this message gets, uh, gets uh, read to us. Listen to this now. It says, A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Now remember something about Jesus here, okay? He'd already been to the praetorium. That was where he was tied to a post and he was whipped with the cat of nine ta tails and the glass and the rocks and, and the, the lead beads that were embedded in, that, in the tails of that whip had stripped the skin off of his back. So as he's preaching, as he's talking to these women, he's in pretty bad shape. He is near to death. In fact, if you go in even a little before that into the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is lying face down in the garden. And he says, couldn't you keep watch with me? He says, I'm in such a stressful position that my soul is close to death. That's what he said. He sweat great drops of blood. And that was caused by the stress. His capillaries in the face broke and he was bleeding out of the sweat glands of his face. So now he's on his way to Golgotha and he tells the women, he says, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves because it's going to get worse. He says, then, now this is a prediction of Jesus. He says, they will, fall, will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if men do things, these things, when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. Now these guys must have done something serious. Now it says that they were robbers, they were thieves, but this, they must have done something that was real. They must have robbed the wrong person. Because it says here, when they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus began his ministry with prayer, and he ended his ministry with prayer. And here he prays to his Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, here's what it says. You can keep your place there if you want to in Luke. Matthew 5, 43 says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is exactly what Jesus was doing. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Wow. 
So here Jesus Christ cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They're ignorant. Now, you might ask yourself, why didn't Jesus just forgive him? Why didn't Jesus just say, I forgive you? Because there's one sin that Jesus Christ could not die for. And that was the sin of rejecting him as the Savior of the world. So Jesus had to appeal to his Father. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now the next scripture I want to read to you is in uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 32. So you're probably already in Luke. So let's look at that real quick. It says this. Two other men, both criminals, who were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified along with him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, quote, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, Jesus could have done that, couldn't he? He could have called in a legion of angels, gotten taken off the cross, Saved himself, but the problem with that is that no one else in history could have been saved. If Jesus would have done that. Jesus stayed on the cross for you and for me. If we would have been the only ones that would have ever accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, he would have stayed on the cross for us. How valuable are you to the Lord? You are God's children. And God treats his children with great love and great respect. Now it says here, there was a written notice, verse 38, Luke chapter 23. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. Now that was written in three different languages to make sure that all the people who came into Rome along that road could read that message. This is the king of the Jews. You know, it's interesting how God works. The Jewish leaders said, don't write that. Write, he says he's the king of the Jews. And Pilate, who is an unbeliever, of course, is instructed by God, not knowing it, saying, you know what? What I've written, I've written. It's staying. And indeed, Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews, isn't he? He is the soon coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, I just love this next verse here. It says in, in verse 39, one of the criminals. Now we notice down here in verse 32, it says two other men, both criminals, were executed and they were giving Jesus a hard time. They were saying to Jesus, hey, save yourself and save us. One of them had change of mind. It says this, one of the criminals 
who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since we are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Why would the thief have said that? What changed his mind? What, what changed this hardened criminal's mind to say that? I can tell you exactly what it was. Father, forgive them, for they did not, they do not know what they know. Think about it. You're the criminal. You're crucified with Christ. You're guilty. He, he just utters this verse that says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you're looking at this guy and you're thinking to yourself, who says that? Who says that? God alone, it says in the Bible, is able to forgive sins. Who says that? That saying of Jesus Christ, the first thing he said on the cross, was instrumental in that salvation of that criminal that day. That's amazing. Here Jesus Christ was suffering immensely. And yet he had the wherewithal to keep witnessing to those around him. Now, what happened after that? Then he said, this is the criminal, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The, the writing on top of your cross says, this is the king of the Jews. I just heard you forgive them. I'm blown away. I think, I think you must be the king. I think you must have a kingdom. And if so, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? What did Jesus say? He said, I would if you were baptized. <laughs> you got to go to catechism class first. Did you give anything into the offering plate? That's not what Jesus said. You know what Jesus said? He said, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. Man, think about that. You're the thief on the cross. You're the one that has just believed in Jesus Christ. And he says to you, today, you're going to be saved. You're going to be with me in paradise. Whew. Wow, that would bring some hope, wouldn't it? Well, we continue on to the next um, so the first thing that Jesus said was, Father, forgive them. The second thing that Jesus said was, Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, let's look at the third thing that Jesus says. The third thing is this. Oh, and this, this is in, um, I think it's in John. Now, hold on. Uh, John chapter 17. Let's try that. John chapter 17, I'm going to read something to you. This says this, and Jesus is praying for his disciples and he's praying for us in John chapter 17, verse 20. He's not on the cross at this time, okay? This is before the cross. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, not for my disciples alone. 
Think about this now. Is this prayer that Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago roughly, is it going to be answered? Has it been answered? And will it be answered? He says this, I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you has sent me. Wow. Even Jesus Christ, in his darkest hour, he is, uh, he is ministering to the people. If you want to, you're welcome to look at John chapter 19 with me. John chapter 19. I'll be in verse... I wrote so small that I can't read my own writing. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Wow. Uh, John chapter 19, and let's go to verse 23. Listen to what it says. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, each one, one for each one of them. With the undergarment remaining, this garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot or by gambling who will get it. Then this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. That's Psalm chapter 22 Verse 18. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples to whom he loved standing nearby, he said this to his mother. It's interesting because I looked up yesterday online what the most common thing that people say before they die. It was compilated by nurses who, you know, who, who minister to people who are dying. The most common thing they either said was, I love you, or they asked for their parents. They asked for their mother or father. Not Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. He says to his mother, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Here's Jesus Christ. His back is filleted like a fish. He's nailed with square Rusty Roman nails that have been in him, who knows, a thousand different wrists. He's suffering on the cross, having a hard time breathing. And he says to his mother, I love you, here's your son. Boy, put yourself in the mother's place, man. That, do you remember the, the, the prophetess, Anna, in the temple, who said, that this son of yours is going to put an arrow through your heart 
And sure enough, that had to be when the arrow went through her heart. But he took care of his mother. He made sure that a disciple took care of his mother because she was a widow, first of all. So she, wouldn't have, she would have had a hard time. And think about this. John, what a privilege for the Lord to be able to say, I want you to take care of my mother. Wow, that's incredible. The dying criminal on the cross, he had no good works. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, though it says in Romans 10, 13. Jesus' word of affection was to his mother. And now we see in Jesus, he experienced himself. He made sure that his mother, a widow, was taken care of. He's given a word of forgiveness, a word of salvation, a word of affection. And now he's going to give a word of anguish. You're welcome to turn with me if you want to to Matthew chapter 27. And here's what it says. This will be the fourth thing that Jesus says on the cross. Matthew chapter 27, and I'll be in verse... Hmm, 45. Jesus is crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. Three hours have now passed. It's 12 o'clock noon. It says in Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 45, he said, from the sixth hour, that would be 12 o'clock noon, until the ninth hour, that would be three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, so this is about three in the afternoon, this is very, very close to Jesus' death. He cries out, it says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He cried it out in a loud voice. He screamed it literally. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I didn't think that God was able to forsake anybody. He says in Hebrews, I will never leave you or forsake you, doesn't he? But yet here Jesus Christ was forsaken. Do you remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was laying on the ground and he was sweating great drops of blood? He was stressed to the max, but it wasn't about the nails that they were going to put in his, in his wrists. It wasn't about the nails that they were going to put through his heels. It was about the fact that he had no idea what was going to happen to him when he was judged for three hours for your sins and for my sins. You see, the Father had to look the other way. God cannot look upon sin. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. That's why none of us, not one single person that's ever lived on the face of the earth can ever be good enough to get, get to heaven on their own. Why? Because we're not good enough. We're just simply not good enough. God cannot look on sin. Jesus screamed, My God, my God, why have you left me? I'm going to read Psalm 22, a portion of it to you. You're welcome to turn there if you want to. Mm -hmm. Psalm 22. This is 
an amazing thing. Jesus, to show you where Jesus' mindset was, okay? Jesus was in full control of his facilities, okay? He was in control of his mind. He was in control of his speech. He was in control of everything that a crucified man can be in control of. Because here in Psalm 22, we see in Matthew chapter 27, Jesus Christ quoting Psalm 22. Listen to what it says. My God, my God, speaking to God the Father and God the Spirit, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? This is the ultimate in loneliness, my friends. And think about this. This psalm is giving us an insight into the thinking process of Jesus Christ when he's on the cross. He says, why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night. And I'm not silent Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults shaking their heads, quote, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. What we read in the Gospels that the priests, the soldiers, the people that were passing by said to Jesus is exactly what Psalm 22 says that they're going to say. It's amazing. God could not look on sin. It's now 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At 12 o'clock in the afternoon, the earth goes into convulsion. It's trembling. Its surroundings look like a skull. There's darkness over the land for three hours. Light is driven away. God's wrath against sin is poured out in judgment on Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ could not envision in the Garden of Eden. He just had no clue of how bad it would be. He had never been separated from God before, ever. I and the Father are one. And yet for three hours, God judged every single sin that every single person would ever commit on the face of the earth in Jesus Christ. What a savior we have. What a man. What a, what a man of man. What a courageous person. Galatians chapter 2.20. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. 
The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Righteousness could not come through the law. The law was righteous. The law was like a mirror. When you looked into the law, you would see the imperfections in yourself. Ooh, it says do not murder. Well, I've never murdered anybody. Ooh, it says do not commit adultery. I've never committed adultery. Ooh, it says do not covet your neighbor's four-wheel drive diesel brand new pickup. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble now, right? And it says in James, when you've broken one point of the law, you've done what? It broke the whole law. Jesus did not break one point of the law. Let me read some scriptures to you that go right along with this. and We're getting down toward... So remember the first thing that Jesus said from the cross... Father, forgive them. The second thing he said is, Today you will be with me in paradise. The third thing he said is, Mother, that's your son. John, that's your mother. The fourth thing he said was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I want to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to you. And here's what it says. Just listen. You can look it up later. He says this. Now, this is amazing how this all ties together. He says, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. What was the purpose of Jesus dying? So that our sins would be covered and at that point in time we could live a righteous life in him. Does that mean we'll never sin? Well, as long as we have this sin nature residing in us, the propensity to sin is still there. It just is. You're just going to get mad. You're going to get impatient. You're going to wish you had your neighbor's four-wheel drive truck. Okay? <laughs> but we can live above that, can't we? And that's what Jesus says. In Galatians it says, If you walk in the Spirit... You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. A couple more scriptures I want to share with you. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 4. This goes right along with what we're studying. Just, just, just take this and just enjoy it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily besets us and entangles us. And let us run with perse excuse me, perseverance the race marked 
out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus Christ, it says. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now, I don't know about you, but the cross was not a very joyous place. It was a grievous place. It was a, it was a horrific death. And yet it says in Hebrews, it says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. When Jesus Christ was up on that cross and he was enduring that scorn and that shame and that suffering, you know what? He was thinking about you. And he was thinking about you and you. And he was thinking about the people that were going to come to God through him and the millions and millions and millions of people who would pass from death into life by being born again. It says this, he scorned the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I love this next verse. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Sin's just too easy to commit, isn't it? It just is. We need to be more resistant to that. I'm going to read something out of Hebrews chapter 4 to you. And it says this in chapter 4, verses 15. Uh, I love this too. It says, for we do not have a high priest, this is speaking about Jesus Christ, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus, let's get something real clear here, okay? Jesus Christ is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, no matter what they are. He's able to sympathize with them. It says, but we have one who has been tempted or tested in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. The fifth thing that Jesus says in John chapter 19, and I'm going to read it to you and we're almost done. John chapter 19, starting at verse 28, listen to what he says. You all know this. Starting in verse 28, it says this. This is, this is right after he said, dear woman, in, in our chronological order. It says, later, knowing that all was now completed. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Well, I told you last week that that beating that he endured, he lost so much blood and so much liquid that he was very dehydrated. And so it says here, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Now, if you remember the hyssop plant, the hyssop plant in the Old Testament was a plant where during the Passover, you would dip the hyssop in the blood of the slain lamb, and you'd sprinkle it over the doorposts and over the, 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 uh, the header of the door. 
and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. Now, we could translate this even a little more accurately by saying the price has been paid. That's what it means. The ransom has been paid. When Jesus said this is the second to the last thing he says on the cross, he says, the price is now paid. You know, witnessing to people that don't know the Lord, okay, should be simple. There is a price for sin that you can't pay, all right? But Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin, and if you believe on him, then your sin will be paid for. I mean, it, it doesn't get a whole lot more simple than that, does it? Let me finish up. I'm going to be in John chapter, let me see. Um, I turned it to the right page here first. So that's the victory in Luke chapter 23, verse 44. We're back there again. Here's what he says. Think about all that Jesus Christ went through. His life, 33 years worth of hassle in this life. One of my favorite things to say every day is, God, does it have to be this hard? Does anybody else ever say that? Does it have to be this hard? Jesus said, in this world you will have what? Troubles, tribulation. But he says, be of good cheer. You could translate that, take courage. Don't be discouraged. Take courage, for I have overcome the world, Jesus says. After all this, the suffering, his life, his ministry, the mocking, everything that went on while he was on the cross, he says this. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. It's three o'clock in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The Romans didn't kill Christ. The Jews didn't kill Christ. Jesus Christ gave his own life up for us. He breathed his last, it says. He gave up his spirit to the Father. If that doesn't just encourage you to love your Lord Jesus Christ all the more, I don't know what will. Pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we didn't go too bad over it. It was the music's fault. 
Well, if you'll stand with me, let's sing something, shall we? This is a new song. Um, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves us. The God bless you. Have a great Sunday. I hope that song stays with you all. We come for, come Wednesday and uh, and have Bible study with us and dinner. And uh, don't forget board meeting today after church.